place in which you no longer have to fight off your junk food cravings, but you simply don't have them at all. Imagine being able to eat free. Hi, I'm Reshma, your host of Eat Free TV, where I share my whole foods recipes from every corner of the globe. Well, let's get started by taking a trip to the Mediterranean with this delicious cold kamut salad. I have the kamut here. This is a whole grain, and it's actually not called kamut. Kamut is actually the name of the brand that commonly manufactures it. It's related to wheat, and it's native to Egypt. It has um, a very strong, nutty, buttery flavor. Kind of looks like brown basmati rice, but a little bit thicker. And the way I like to cook this is just like you cook pasta. And as you can see, I have a really big pot of boiling water. Bring the water to a boil. Drop in two cups of kamut berries. So cook it until it's al dente, meaning toothsome. Now this is an example of an eat-free recipe because we're using whole grains. And if you look at these, these are harvested from their natural state. So what I'm going to do next is, this is actually done. It's tender and toothsome. I'm going to go ahead and strain it right through this colander. Make sure you have a big colander because there's the two cups is actually going to yield about four cups of grain. There you go. I have it all in. So you're going to give it a couple of shakes to really get rid of the excess water. And we know that these grains are actually done because if you look at it, You'll see that they've opened up a bit, but they're not mushy, me meaning that they're not sticking together. So this is one of the advantages of cooking this grain just like you cook pasta, because you have them nice and tender and fluffy, but not mushed together. And that's what we want in the salad. So let's go on to the next few ingredients. We have some lemon juice and some olive oil. And you actually want to put these in while the grains are warm, because that'll infuse the flavors into the grain and make it that much more delicious. So the juice of one lemon, two tablespoons of olive oil. Now, whenever you use any fats, make sure you measure. Don't do the whole drizzling it in, because then you don't know how much fat's going into it. And you really don't need that much. So you see here, I'm using actually a half tablespoon measure, and I'm putting in two tablespoons of olive oil. There we go. And then we're going to also put in the garlic while it's warm as well. Again, when the pasta is warm, it'll infuse all the flavors in much better. So we have about a tablespoon of minced garlic. That's about three cloves. I'm going to stir. Then we're going to put in some salt to taste. Now, in the Eat Free style of cooking, I like to use sea salt because sea salt is much closer to its natural state than the refined salt, and it doesn't have all its minerals drained away from it. So some salt, oh, just a little bit more, and then some freshly cracked pepper. Whenever you use pepper, you always want to make sure you get it freshly cracked because spices are actually the most potent when they're used in their whole state. So when you're cracking it, that's when you're releasing all its essential oils. And especially since we're stirring all these ingredients in while it's warm, we're getting the maximum flavor extraction. So there we go. And then let me talk about the other ingredients. Here we have two Fresno chilies. Now, I've kept the seeds in, but if you have children eating them, you might want to take out the seeds. Because remember, in a chili, the heat lies in the vein and the seeds. And red chilies don't necessarily mean that they're hotter. They're just riper. And in many cases, the fact that they're riper gives them a fruitier uh, taste. So that actually adds more complexity to our dish. So two red Fresno chilies diced and not seeded because I actually want the heat in there for complexity of flavor. And then I have this beautiful feta cheese, about a cup and a quarter, and this is going to add a nice salty brininess to the dish. And you want to use the full fat version, because there's really not that much fat here to begin with. 
And then we have some nice fresh cucumber, about a cup, diced into these small pieces, added as well. This will add some really nice freshness to the dish. And then we have Kalamata olives. Now, I picked Kalamata instead of the green because these are actually fruitier. And in my opinion, they're actually creamier too. And they work better in this dish than the green. So they're pitted and they're sliced. And that's it. And we're going to stir together. And look at all these beautiful colors. You know, you don't need to be a nutritionist to know what you need to eat. One of the principles of eat free style of cooking is that eat by color. Try to incorporate as many colors into your diet as possible. Then you know you're getting the full spectrum of all the nutrients that nature has to offer. And you really don't have to worry about the different vitamins and minerals. You know you're getting what you need by all these beautiful colors. I mean, look at the reds, the greens. We have the purple of the olives. I mean, this is really a delicious, complete meal. So this is all stirred and done. So now we're actually going to plate, and the best part, we're going to taste it. Okay. So let me just take a bit for myself. Now look at these beautiful colors, the reds, the greens, the purples. Okay, let me take a bite. Mmm. The nutty butteriness of the grains, the spice of the Fresnos, and the brininess from the feta and the olives. This is a perfect dish, both flavor-wise and texturally. And if you can't find these at your grocery store, either ask your store manager and request it. You'll be surprised at how receptive store managers are to consumer requests. Or you can substitute it with wheat berries, which have a similar texture and flavor and are cooked in much the same way. Up next, one of my all-time favorite dishes, chili paneer, a fusion of Indian and Chinese cuisine. So we'll be right back with that. Welcome back. Now it's time for one of my all-time favorite dishes, chili paneer with Paratha. Paratha is an actually an Indian flatbread, and it's made with 100% whole wheat flour. Now here's the paneer. Paneer is actually one of the few cheeses used in India. It's the first product of curdling milk either with lemon juice or vinegar. If you don't feel like going through all that at home, you can actually buy it at your local grocery or search for it at an, at an ethnic market. Now I already have these cubed up for me, but we're going to wait on this for a while because before we brown these, we're going to make the flavor base for our dish. Now the flavor base is more Chinese in nature. Remember, this is a Chinese-Indian fusion dish, and the Indian part is a paneer, and the flavor base is more oriental in nature. So here I have uh, three tablespoons of raw sugar, one tablespoon of ketchup. Make sure to get the one that's naturally sweetened. Look at the label. Often the ones that are naturally sweetened are made with organic evaporated cane juice as opposed to sugar or corn syrup. Just a pinch of salt. Remember, we're going to season in layers. I'm going to salt it a little bit now and then a little bit la later while I'm actually cooking it. I'm going to add some cornstarch, two tablespoons. Four tablespoons of low sodium soy sauce. You want to use low sodium because you want to be able to control the amount of sodium in your dish. So if you use low sodium, you can control how much sea salt you add afterwards. This is four tablespoons, and we're going to mix that all with two tablespoons of cold water. Remember, cornstarch actually dissolves best in cold water, and it acts as a thickener. So it needs that cold water to dissolve and do its thing, which is thickening our sauce. So I'm going to whisk, whisk it together nicely to really get that cornstarch dissolved and all the other flavors together. You can use a whisk. You can use a fork. There we go, all mixed together. And now we're going to head to the griddle. We're actually going to brown our paneer. 
Whenever cooking, you always want to look for ways to build layers of flavor in your dish. And one of the ways we're going to be doing this is adding an extra layer of texture as well as flavor to our paneer. We're going to lightly brown it on each side. So let's go to the griddle. We don't need that much oil. About two teaspoons would be enough. I have my griddle hot, so I'm going to drizzle about two teaspoons of vegetable oil over the griddle. And see, hear that noise? That noise tells you that the oil is ready to brown whatever you're putting on it, in this case, the chili paneer. I'm using a brush to spread the oil across the griddle. And now I'm just going to put them on one by one. And again, when you put the paneer on, you could hear the sizzle, and that's when you know it's ready. You're going to make sure it's one inch apart on the griddle pan, because if you put them too close together, they're going to steam instead of brown. And these are, these are really quick. They take no more than a minute on each side to brown. So I have them all over here. So I'm going to check the first one I put on to see how it's doing. Let's take a look. You know, you can even use your fingers here if the tong is not, so it's not brown yet, so we're going to let it go for about another minute until it's a nice golden brown on that side. So while those are browning, I'm going to get to the next step. So I have a wok here. I'm going to put in two tablespoons of oil. This is measured. Again, don't just pour out of the spout. Make sure you measure, because each tablespoon of oil can have up to 14 grams of fat, and you really don't need that much. You need just enough to enhance the flavors, to really bring them out. So now for our aromatics, I'm going to add one small onion. I'm going to add one green pepper, julienne, half a red pepper, also julienne, half a yellow pepper, also julienne, and then two Fresno chilies with the seeds in. If you don't like it hot or if your kids are eating, just take the seeds out, no big deal. And then finally, one tablespoon of minced garlic. Now you see I have the heat here quite high because this is actually going to be high temperature cooking, much like cooking in a wok, even though this isn't a wok. We have our heat on high and we're going to keep stirring until these vegetables get translucent but still hold their shape. Now you can see all these beautiful colors. We have yellow peppers, we have red, we have green, then we have the purple onions. Just by looking at it, you can tell this is good for you. You don't need to memorize what vegetable has what vitamin or what mineral. You can just use your sight and make sure to incorporate as many colors as possible. So this is going to take about a few minutes. You're going to keep stirring. Don't stop stirring because minced garlic can really burn. So you're going to be at the stove for about four to five minutes. Keep stirring this until, again, it's translucent, but it still holds its shape. Okay, so these are well on their way to becoming translucent. So before I go check on the paneer, I'm just going to add a little pinch of salt. One of the important aspects of cooking is you have to season in, in layers. So let's say you want to use about a teaspoon of salt or a teaspoon and a half. Don't put that teaspoon all in once. So if you're going to use a teaspoon, do a third of a teaspoon the first phase, another third the second, and etc. You want to season in layers. So we're going to let that go, and now I'm going to go check on my paneer. Since I'm walking away, I want to make sure I reduce the heat. Because if I don't babysit that garlic, it's going to burn. So let's take a look at how the paneer is looking. I'm just going to use my hands. Be careful. Look how we're using one ingredient and really stretching it in terms of flavor and texture. That's one of the keys to great cuisine, really taking one ingredient and thinking of all the ways to extract the maximum amount of flavor and texture from it. So we're done on one side. 
we're going to spend about another minute or so on the other side. And again, be careful. I'm using my hands because my hands are actually honestly used to high heat. But you can also use your tongs, whichever one is easier and what you feel most comfortable with. So I'm going to go back and check on the paneer. So let's take a look. Let's see if it's nice and brown. Well, not quite yet. Let's turn up the heat and come back here. So these look done. So what I've done is since I'm still waiting for my paneer, I've lowered the heat. Again, I don't want the garlic to burn. And the reason why I minced the garlic instead of keeping it in slices or a bit more whole pieces is because I really want the nice garlic flavor to infuse into the dish. I want garlic in every bite. That's why I minced it, but at the same time I have to really make sure I babysit this pan. So let's go back and check again. Oh, these look just fine. They're a nice golden brown, so I'm going to turn off the heat. And I'm actually going to take a plate, put a piece of paper towel on it because I don't want any of that unnecessary excess oil, and just put it back here to drain. Now, like I said before, this is one of the, this is probably the only cheese found in Indian cuisine, and uh, it's actually the starter for many other European and Italian cheeses. What they do is they use this base and they inoculate different bacterial cultures, put them into different environmental conditions, and then you get all those really wonderful cheeses that we're used to, Telegio, blue cheese, gorgonzola, mozzarella. So this is actually the beginning. <coughs> and it actually, it's one of the few cheeses that doesn't melt either. So I have all these. This is about, we're going to use about a pound. So I'm going to go back and finish the rest of the half pound because I want a total of one pound of cubed paneer. So we're going to let those drain off to the side, and we're going to put the rest back on. I see enough oil, no need to put more. Again, only use as much oil as you need. You just need just enough to sear it. Remember, it does have some residual heat, so I, I turned the burner back a little bit. So we're going to turn it off because I didn't hear the sizzle. I really want to hear the sizzle. Oh, so see, now you really hear the sizzle. Your ears tell you when the food is ready. So I'm going to put another half pound batch onto this. And this paneer can be made in many ways. Growing up, I had this in spinach curries with a tomato-based sauce. And the first time I had this chili paneer was actually one of the first Indo-Chinese restaurants that opened up in New York City. It was out in Queens. And when I had this dish, I was in heaven. I mean, if I had to choose one type of cuisine that I can, if I had to eat every day, it would be Indo-Chinese cuisine. The wonderful flavors of Chinese cuisine married with Indian flavors, it's flavor nation. I mean, there's nothing better than this. So I'm flipping these right now. They've beautifully browned on each side, and you can kind of tell by looking at the edges. So look how beautiful, nice and brown. So I'm just going to flip it. Again, I don't need any extra oil. There's more than enough oil left over. These look beautiful, nice and golden brown. So I'm going to flip all of these. Now this is a great vegetarian dish because it, it, it packs a great punch of protein. So if you're vegetarian, you need to be wary of where you're getting your protein. And these paneers really pack a punch. So I'm going to keep these browning. And while I'm waiting for these, up next we're going to do the paradas, which are Indian whole wheat flatbreads done on the griddle. And they're going to be a great accompaniment to this delicious chili paneer. Now the paneer is done browning, so I have it resting on the paper towel to drain off all that excess oil. And now we're going to get to the parada. Made from whole wheat flour and it's used to scoop up curries in Indian cuisine. There's many types of Indian breads. There's puris, rotis, paratas. Today I'm going to show you one. I have one already resting, but I'm going to show you actually how to knead it and get it together. So we have one cup of 100% whole wheat flour, just regular all-purpose whole wheat flour. 
And then we have a cup of whole wheat pastry flour. Now, whole wheat pastry flour is a bit softer than 100% whole wheat, whole wheat flour, and it actually yields a more tender result. So I'm going to mix these two flours together to really get them combined. And let's not forget our salt, a nice general handful of sea salt, always using sea salt. That's just about enough. And now I'm going to add some oil, about two tablespoons. I have a half tablespoon measure here. So I'm going to drizzle the oil throughout, spreading it evenly. So I'm going to need four of these. And this is kind of like making an American pie crust or a shortcut pastry in which you have to cut the fat into the flour. Except in this case, unlike a pie crust, we're not using lard or butter. We're just using regular vegetable oil. So you notice I have to really use my hands to make sure the oil works into the flour so you get fine crumbles. So you don't want big chunks of oil and flour, you want small crumbles because that'll really determine the final texture of the bread. So this looks just about right. So I'm going to go ahead and get some warm water and make sure it's warm but not scorching hot. Well, this is about right. So there's really no measurement, you're going to have to eyeball it. So I'm filling this bowl up here. And I'm just going to eyeball it again. Cooking involves all your senses, your touch, hearing, sound. And here we're really going to use our fingers to figure out how much oil, how much water is just enough. I don't want to give you an exact measurement because the amount really varies on environmental conditions, the exact brand of flour you're using. So I'm going to keep drizzling it in until I start getting a dough-like consistency and it starts coming together. So keep drizzling a little bit at a time. You don't want to overwhelm the gluten in the flour. Much like making pizza dough, except there's no yeast. This is an unleavened bread. That means it has no baking soda or yeast. And this is a great place to involve your kids in the kitchen because kids are very tactile. They love doing things with their hands. So if you ask them to play with this dough, it's going to be such a treat for them because, you know, kids love playing with clay and Play-Doh. And not only are they playing, they're helping you in the kitchen. So this is a great way to get your kids involved. Now, there's two ways to knead it. You can knead using the palm right here, this part of your hand, or you can knead using your knuckles. This is common in Indian bread making. I really don't know why, but growing up I've always seen this bread being kneaded with the knuckles for some reason, and it works, so I'm not going to question it. I'm going to keep the tradition going. So we're going to put this off to the side, and we're going to use the dough that we have up here. So look how nice. So after it's rested for about 15 minutes on the counter, it gets more pliable. Look how stretchy it is. It's much like pizza dough, the only difference being that it has no yeast in it, but you really can't tell. And also it hasn't risen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to form this into a log. And the reason why I want to do that is I want to get even-sized portions out of this. And this looks like, oh, it's going to make about maybe 8 to 10. So I'm going to take about a lime-sized ball of parada. So I'm going to take it in between my hands and roll it into a ball. And this step is actually really important because you want to get nice round paradas. And the way to roll it out round and not into a funny amoeba shape is to really get it round the first time around. And not only do you want to get it round, you want the ball to be so that you don't see any creases. And the way to do that is to really press it in between your palms. So this looks just about right. Do you see how there's no creases? That, that's really going to help me get a nice round parada. So next what I'm going to do is take this lime-sized ball and dip it in some flour, and that's just to help me sort of 
uh, work with the dough easier. Otherwise, it's going to stick all over the board. So you see how I'm going to use my thumbs and the bottom of my thumbs to make it into a nice round. And then I'm going to place it on my cutting board right here. And I'm going to start rolling. So you sort of want to, to get the nice round, you sort of want to rotate your dough disc so it gets as round. And don't worry if you can't make it that round as you can't, uh, as perfect round. It's kind of hard to do at the beginning, but with practice, you'll get better at it. So here we go. Now we're going to take this to the griddle. You get the hot griddle, make sure it's hot, and you're going to put this on the griddle. And you're going to press it. You're going to wait until some bubbles appear, and you're going to keep pressing it down. It's going to take, it shouldn't take that long. As long as your griddle is hot, it should take about no more than 30 seconds. So I'm starting to see that's changing color, and that's telling me that the raw dough is turning into actual cooked bread. So keep pressing it. Okay, keep going at it. And these are breads that are commonly found in Indian cuisine. I think this is good enough. I'm going to flip it over. You see how the rawness is going away. And once I flip it over, I'm going to drizzle some oil. Okay, not that much. You need probably about a teaspoon total. Smear over the oil. And again, do the same thing. Press. Okay, so the rawness of the dough is slowly going away. It's rising just a little bit. Flip it over. And you're going to, again, spoon about a half a teaspoon of oil all over this. There we go. This is looking done. I'm going to put it in and covered container and I'm also going to put a piece of paper towel in because again I want to drain off the excess oil so let's put this in and an important piece to making these paradas is keep it covered you want the paradas own moisture to keep it moist if we keep it open it's going to get too hard and tough and it's not going to be pleasant to eat so you're going to repeat the same process for the rest of the dough balls so you get about eight or ten with this recipe so we're going to revisit our paneer now. This has been waiting off to the side, and our paneer has been draining. So I'm going to put this back on the heat. Remember, this was our peppers, garlic, onion. I'm going to raise the heat again. Now it's time to bring all the separate components together. So here's our cornstarch slurry with our ketchup, our brown sugar, our raw brown sugar. We're going to put that in. The cornstarch is going to help thicken. I'm going to turn up the heat. And again, this is going to be high heat cooking. I'm going to get my paneer also. I'm also going to put that in. Some nice, beautiful golden brown nuggets. And now I'm going to keep stirring until the mixture thickens. This is not going to take that long. Uh, probably less than a minute or so. I really want the cornstarch to do its job, get all the flavors married together. Look at those beautiful colors, the golden brown from the paneer, the beautiful multicolored peppers. It's going to take about a minute or so for the cornstarch to absorb all that liquid, li liquid and thicken up this beautiful stir-fry here. This looks just about right. I have the heat on high, thick enough. You see how it, the sauce just coats the vegetables and the paneer? It just coats it beautifully. That's when you know it's done. Let me turn off the heat. This is ready. Let me get these to the side. And now I'm going to plate. I'm going to take my parada, our Indian flatbread. So this is going to be used to scoop up this beautiful paneer. And then I'm going to scoop myself a generous portion. Look at those beautiful colors. Wow. And now it's time to taste. A little piece of the paneer. 
and make sure I get some of the paneer so I get everything in one bite. Delicious. You got the buttery milkiness of the paneer, the nuttiness that we got by grilling it on both sides, and you have the sweetness and the spiciness from the peppers. Total flavor explosion, total textural explosion. So remember, when you're cooking, you don't only want to think about flavor, you want to think about building textures too. This is perfect, and this parada is a perfect vehicle for delivering all of that deliciousness into my mouth. And up next, my favorite part of the meal, dessert, starry fig bars. So stay tuned, don't go anywhere. Now we've just finished our main course in our appetizer, chili paneer and cold kamut salad, and now for the best part, dessert, starry fig bars. And the reason why I call them starry is because they have these little uh, spice here that looks like a starfish. And this isn't a spider, it's actually a spice. And it has a nice licorice flavor, and it's commonly used in Chinese cuisine, often with meat preparations, but it's going to go great with the figs in this dessert. So this is the whole, the whole form, and we've actually ground it to get the um, powder. And all you have to do is take the, this and put it in a blender or a food processor and get a fine grind like this. You have a powder form. So our first step is we're going to take some butter, some unsalted butter, and we're going to melt it. And you want to use unsalted butter when you're doing desserts because it's a dessert, so you don't want any salt in it. But we are going to add a pinch of salt later. So I'm going to let the butter melt right here. And once it's completely melted, we're going to add a quarter teaspoon of the star anise powder. That. We're going to add a half a cup of raw turbinado sugar. And this sugar is brown because it's closer to its natural state than the white sugar that we're commonly used to. So we're going to melt this, and once it starts melting, you're gonna, you can smell the nice licorice from the star anise. And the reason why we're melting it is, again, with any spices, you need heat for the flavor to come out. So this looks just about done, and we're going to take it off the heat because it's fully melted, and you know it's done when you can really smell the star anise. So for our dry ingredients, we have a cup and a half of rolled oats. Again, a wonderful whole grain. Then we have a half a cup of 100% whole wheat flour. So I'm going to put that in along with a slight pinch of salt. Now you might be wondering, while well, we're doing a dessert here, why do we need the salt? Salt actually helps bring out those natural sweet flavors. So just a tiny pinch. And I want to mix it just to combine, just to get all those ingredients together. Okay, now it looks like it's nicely combined. And now for the wet ingredients, we have a half a cup of milk, whole milk. We have one beaten egg, an eighth of a teaspoon of pure vanilla extract. Remember, whenever you're going for vanilla extract, make sure it's the pure version. So about an eighth of a teaspoon. And that's it for the wet ingredients. We're going to whisk. You want to make sure the egg is fully incorporated into the milk. Looks good. And now we're going to put the wet into the dry and combine it. So it's going to go in. And now we're going to combine the wet and the dry. Okay, so you're going to combine just to get it all together. And as I'm looking at this, I see the wonderful brown color. When you see all that brown in a dessert, you know you're making a dessert close to its natural state. So I'm going to go back and grab my baking dish to put the mixture in. And we're going to grease it lightly. You don't need that much butter. I have about a half a tablespoon here. So just grease it just enough to coat the bottom so you don't want anything to stick to the bottom of the pan. Because actually when they're done, after they're baking in the oven, we're going to take them out, 
cut them into squares and spread a beautiful thick paste in between. So this looks just about right. So I'm going to put my mixture in here. And these are actually going to bake at 350 for about 18 minutes until it's nice and set. So put it in your bowl, spread it out. And now we're going to go to the oven and put this in. And after 18 minutes, we're going to take it out, let them cool, and spread the wonderful fig paste in between. So we've taken out our starry fig wash from the oven. I've let them cool for a few minutes so it's uh, hot, not so hot so you can cut into it. So I'm going to cut it into about eight squares. And it smells wonderful. You could really smell the star anise. <coughs> so cut it into about eight squares. So I have it right here. And what we're going to do is we're going to add the fig layer right now. That's why it's called starry fig bars. Now here we have about six to eight figs, which I've blended in a mortar or pestle. Or you could put it in a food processor and you'll get a nice paste. Now these are fresh figs. You see the seeds. They're really nice texturally because they have that nice seedy crunch and they're really sweet naturally too. So I'm going to lift one piece, lay it on my plate, lift another piece, and I'm going to spread the fig uh, paste in between the layers. So take some. If you need more, just go ahead and grind some more up. So it should be fairly spreadable just like this. Spread it on. Be generous with the amount. And now put another layer on, and there you have it, your starry fig bar. Let me take a bite. Mmm. So you can really taste the star anise, and the texture of the figs is just great. That's what you get when you use fresh figs. You get the crunch of the seeds and the smoothness of the outer layer. These are a great dessert item, as well as breakfast item for your kids as well. So this is a great way to end today's meal. We started off going to the Mediterranean with the Coles Kamut salad. Then we traveled to India and China with the chili paneer along with the Prada. And then we ended up back home with these delicious starry fig bars. So remember, it's not about warding off guilt or being disciplined. It's about being free. For a complete list of today's recipes, visit Eat Free TV at www.eatfreeblog.com. I really hope you enjoyed watching these dishes as much as I enjoyed cooking them for you. So until next time, I'm your host Reshma of Eat Free TV. <laughs>